Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are, this is Chris, and I think I'm the only person left in the universe who still uses earbuds with a cord. Um, I've decided today to give it a try uh, and give my aftershocks a rest and see how we go. It's a little bit windy. I hope that doesn't interfere with the, uh, with today's podcast. I'm down on Bondi Beach. It's a bit of a overcast, cold day, Sunday morning. <clears throat> I had a dream last night. It's a very interesting one. And uh, it took... I'm not going to tell you about the dream, because that's sort of yuck. But it reminded me of something. You know, my... Uh, mother died when I was three years old. My father married the housekeeper to, when we lived in Mildura because he had three kids. Uh, he ran away from Tasmania with his three kids because he couldn't stand the, the looks in people's eyes as they walked past him in the town uh, for the grief. And so he said, I'm going to find a place in the middle of nowhere, which was a, a general store on the way to a fishing hole outside of Mildura, so we weren't even in Mildura in the 50s. Uh, as kids, we grew up on, a, on, a, on the road, I think it was the road that goes to Adelaide from Melbourne, but I'm not sure. It's now called 13th Street in Mildura, and we grew up, it was, it's not very far now, it's part of the city, but at that time, there were no houses around us, there was just ours. We had a couple of caravans that Dad would rent uh, for fishermen. They'd come and hook them on. He'd sell worms, which we would go and dig up. Uh, yabbies, sometimes, from the river, because these are all good bait for... At the time, they were Murray cod, the size of a human being, massive, big things. And uh, the fishermen would go looking for them, and, of course, some commercial and some just for fun. Uh, it wasn't much fun for the cod. And those fishermen would come back with a, with a utility or a tray truck or something, and on the back would be this fish, and it would just about take the back of the car up. It was, they were huge. Anyway, to survive that, my dad married, got a housekeeper who would come to the house look after us and get everything done so he could work and uh, in the end she said I've got to go and get married because I've got a daughter and uh, dad said well if I marry will you stay and that was the next 15 years of my dad's life. When I turned 17 my dad divorced my stepmom and he said at that time uh, I only kept her here because of you kids particularly uh, my younger brother, who was uh, two years younger than me and therefore more needy. He was only six months when my mother passed and uh, needed the care of a housekeeper. Um, so Dad said, I only kept her here for these last 15 years or so because of you kids. And... I said to him, what the fuck? I said, we would have been happier from the get-go without her. And he goes, oh, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I go, it's funny, the delusion 
that a person can have, that a home with two warring people, and my stepmother was alcoholic, but it's, and, but, you know, as I've told you before on this podcast, alcoholic people aren't drinking 24-7. They drink, usually, they have binges, then go off the turps and then go back on and then go off and then go back on. But my stepmother had long periods where she was not uh, drinking, long periods, at least a week, during which the house gravitated to what my father called normal, which was fighting f- with her over her jealousy of me not subscribing to her requirement that I call her mum, as far as I'm concerned, that wasn't the truth, and dominating over my brother, who she wanted to adopt in, cer- in a certain way as being her own. My sister mutinied, ran away, so she went to boarding school. So even if you take away alcoholic stepmother, there were two warring parents. And the war was waged not always between my father and my stepmother, it was waged through us. When my father thought this was a better proposition than being there in a loving home with a loving dad, struggling with the cooking, Somehow my dad thought that this marry the housekeeper and keep this vindictive, jealous, cruel human being in a house was better than not. Now, okay, I grew up the rough way and I had to do a lot of therapy and counselling and do all the work that I do to help people in the world. So there's a benefit to me of this situation. I'm not arguing that there's no benefit. I'm not saying there is no outcome that doesn't benefit all parties. My dad benefited because he could work. My stepmom benefited because she was grieving the death of her husband and the father of her daughter. She got a house to live in and her daughter got a place to live, provided for as a daughter by my father. He never differentiated. Uh, we got a benefit because she cooked and she cleaned and at least every few weeks we'd get the feeling that there was love in the house but the wound that was injected into us as vulnerable children between the age of uh, my brother at least he was probably about a year and a half by the time she moved in and, and me uh, four, between then and 15 and 17, uh, it was a, a bloody unnecessary uh, battle which achieved zero emotions. And the battle was uh, uh, done under the guise of my father's belief that a home with two parents who are throwing things at each other and smashing plates and going into alcoholic uh, overloads and you know she used to run away with the car and come back and run away and come back and run away and come back and my dad would go and get her and come back and run away and come back and we we just witnessed this v- uh, fluctuation and of course she wasn't well and I, I feel for her and you know I thank her for everything she did and it was all all good but the 
to hear at the end of all that, at when you turn 17, that the only reason he kept her there was for us, was just fucking bullshit. It was just honest to God, unadulterated crap. What it was, was something in my dad's moral code of ethics was he'd married this person and, and didn't want to surrender it. Didn't want to have a second marriage on his uh, thing. He eventually met another woman and uh, he didn't befriend her as a, a sexually because that's against my dad's code, but he befriended her and that other woman became dad's other person and he realised that he didn't really want to be in a house with uh, my stepmom anymore. And at that point, when it was convenient, he exited the scene, uh, he exited her from the scene. And she, she used to stalk the house, would you believe? As if there was something there that she was, she'd left behind. But uh, it certainly wasn't us kids. And it certainly wasn't my dad's affection. And it certainly wasn't uh, heaps of um, thing. I think it might've been her financial security. But anyway, dad, claims to have looked after her financially, sent her on her way, and she proceeded to continue her her life. And um, anyway, and Dad m married his third wife, who promptly proceeded to die of cancer. Um, and so good old Dad uh, carried his choices and his grief all through his life, and, um, and it ended up with dementia and Alzheimer's, as the doctor said, your dad's died from worry. And... Uh, uh, worry really about his first wife, my mum, dying 30, 40, 50 years ago. In fact, when he died, he asked to be buried in the same plot of ground as my, as his first wife. So all the other, and he ended up married to his fourth wife who out, outlived him uh, and um, took our inheritance. But that's, that wasn't a lot of money by the time he died, and that's not really the point. The point is that uh, poor old dad carried grief. And that grief that he carried caused him to marry someone and stay with that person for a period that was just fucking stupid. And, uh, and, and it, was, it was a comedy scene. It was an, it was an environment of toxic, uh, domestic uh, jealousy, it was using the kids. Uh, we were used uh, as a weapon against my father, and my father couldn't love, couldn't love her, no matter how hard he tried. He was in love with somebody who died. Died. So he was. His his motive for collaborating with her on a marriage was completely not what she had fantasized about. I think to the same extent, her motive for being there was also uh, out of fear of being not with. Uh, someone who looked after her financially, but which was a bit silly because my dad would have given her all the money on earth to leave at any time if he could validate it. And so I guess the story and, 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 and the dream reminded me of it was uh, is, is more about the, the, the uh, con, uh, convoluted uh, processes that we use to justify not changing, to stay... Um, as an enabler in some senses to someone else's bullshit because we think hey, it's good for the kids but we're just then we're using the kids to justify being in a house with somebody uh, that it's burnt out it's it's just not a healthy environment and uh, I, I think one of the wonderful things about the new era and the and the new um, people that are uh, going to run our world for us is the the reason to stay in a relationship is becoming less and less legal and less and less um, shame and more and more 
whether it's a healthy environment for the family and children and whether it's a really, really serious love between the couple. And I love the fact that you're able to decouple um, in a healthy way and stay friends. And I've done that uh, at least over the last uh, bunch of years, at least 20 times with couples. I recently had a decoupling process with a guy and his wife where I, where I felt that he was bullying her and I called him on it and he screamed in rage, cancelled his coaching with me and ran away. And that just shows you the benefit of the decoupling coaching is that you can, uh, with a commitment of two people, call people out on their behaviours even and, and he was this guy was so upset that I called him on his bully and so ashamed of it uh, that he cancelled his side of the coaching and left me with his uh, partner and who I asked suggested immediately that uh, this is going to be really tough it, 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 it's like when you get called out you just you don't he, he was completely unaware that his behavior had was uh, and silence and what have you had had uh, had in it um, all the elements of bullying, but completely um, outside his intent. So I think you know the two stories come together because my father are completely oblivious to the to the outcome of his decisions. Had a had a uh, had a reasonable intent, and his intent on the surface was I'm keep her here, my stepmother here because of the kids. But we were self-sufficient. We had to be self-sufficient, my brother and I. We had to be self-sufficient from about the age of 10. So uh, really, his need for her there and looking after us was complete uh, self-deluded. And if someone called him on it, I'm sure he would have stormed off or punched them, as my dad had the inclination to do. Um, he would have given them a, a real punch in the nose because he would have said, how dare you question my integrity? And, and then, so you can see how violently um, resistant we can be to insight into our behavior. And, and, and when, when you hear all this, you've you got to hear that there's, there's, there's no right and wrong. There's never a right way and a wrong way. There's never, there, to everything you do, there's going to be a right and wrong, and everything you don't do, there's going to be a right and wrong. So you can't come at this topic, uh, and it's really important to end this podcast on this uh, note, you can't come at this topic with the right way and the wrong way. There, <laughs> if, if my dad had divorced my stepmom or let her go as the housekeeper way back when we were four and two, it would have cost dearly um, and there would have been negatives and I probably would have had to go through the same shit therapy uh, I did uh, after my first divorce and, and needed a coach like I turned out to become. Um, if he'd gone the opposite direction. So, if, you know, looking for the right way and the wrong way is never going to be the solution. And getting past our delusion so we make wise decisions, that's, that's more of it. And, and getting past those delusions, as I've said from the decoupling process that went sour when I was honest with the guy, getting past um, our delusions is really hard because we think we are who we think. We think we are what we think. And so we go, I think this, and Chris says, I, I'm thinking um, deluded in a deluded way. I'm not seeing things clearly. That can be really in your face. And I guess uh, I got to own that too and say, well, there's a right way and a wrong way to deal with people. But no, there's not. There's just my way. And um, 
and say, well, there's good news and bad news uh, being upfront and, and real with people. And there's, um, and there's bad news from it because, um, and if I was passive and more kind and more like a therapist and do things over a three year period instead of a three week period, there'd probably be benefits and drawbacks to that too equal. It's very confusing, isn't it? That you can understand how the lower mind in the human being, the physical body, always wants to go to right and wrong because it, 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 it's the physical body's most gross way of distilling things into simplicity. The physical body wants to say this is right and that's wrong. So the lower mind, which is the physical body, the lower mind uh, always seeks to polarize things into this is extremely right or extremely wrong, or this is very right, this is very wrong. And then uh, that's why organized religion is such a gift to people without consciousness. People without self-consciousness have to have a religion of some form, whether that's a book religion, whether that's a, a judgment of their own father and mother, or whether that's the past or present being rebirthed in another form. Uh, that doesn't matter. The fact is, when you find a person who's quite strong and stubborn and polarized in their in their approach to things, like, you know, I must be a good dad and stay home a lot, or I must uh, stay in this relationship because that will, uh, is best for the kids, or whatever it is, you find a very low consciousness uh, approach that is using right and wrong to create order. And order in the chaos is, is sanity. So a person who has disorder in their chaos will go insane. So, and we'll flip out, we'll go to the end of the spectrum and cross over into the other side because they just, it's just too chaotic, it's too ruleless, it's too boundaryless. And so they end up in what's called fundamentalism. Now, that's a really uh, place that we all know, we call it got to. And if you talk about any terrorist that takes an airplane into a building or a person who blows up a bomb in a cafe, or someone who punches someone in a pub or some person who gets uh, alcoholic or whatever it is, there's a fundamentalism in there. And that fundamentalism serves, it's part of nature's plan. Because what fundamentalism is, getting into a got to and got not to, which is all, by the way, the basis of all comedy in the world and all acting, because it engages the emotion to the most and therefore is the most entertaining. This position of thought, internal thought, is disease causing. So if you go to a cancer or a problem with the human body or Alzheimer's, it all comes from polarized, a polarized position that refused to change. So when I suggest to somebody that they're bullying, I'm not doing it because I'm right. I'm doing it because I'm trying to help them see something from another angle that will move them out of fundamentalism, which is gonna cause them illness and disease before the illness and the disease comes to move them out of fundamentalism. It's complicated but order in the chaos the, the the movement of things from from chaos to order is the human condition that's we can't live with chaos and even if people say you can that you they're wrong you we can't even if we say i don't know the answer and the universe will provide there's order in the chaos because the universe becomes the order so the the whole story we come here today is there's no right and wrong uh, uh, it is confronting when someone uh, shows us the four columns of a discard form or an emotional shower. It is confronting when someone points out that our behavior is driven by a subliminal or a subconscious need 
for uh, a, a healing or repair of something that we've claimed is wrong in our parents or whatever. My father, by the way, uh, grew up with a, with a father who was alcoholic and beat the shit out of him. He grew up with a very, very protective mother who used to fight tooth and nail with his father. <clears throat> so it's understandable <coughs> that dad would at some level uh, gravitate to a polar position to prevent what he tries to, <coughs> what he experienced in his childhood and the hate for his own father to prevent becoming that. And therefore try to employ somebody to take over the, the role of his, uh, of his mother and hence the addiction in a sense to an alcoholic uh, housekeeper that he married to keep in the house in Mildura in the middle of nowhere in the middle of uh, hiding from grief so look it's an interesting story and I hope some parts of it are um, uh, a entertaining and and b uh, um, there's something in it for you somewhere anyway have a great day bye for now